So what's hilarious is I cut my hair to free myself, but then through freeing myself, booked a job in what I was trying to force happen all this time. And then they gave me bangs, which has now transitioned into my signature look within music. So it's just, it's funny how when you allow yourself to, you know, do whatever you want to do, as simple as cutting your hair, how it can Mm -hmm. lead to a monumental shift in your life. This is Unconditioning, discovering the voice within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello, and welcome to the 12th episode of Unconditioning, discovering the voice within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from doing so. This week, I have with me Little Luna, also known as Rachel Catherine Bell. She is a singer and a songwriter who has made her way into the music scene and has captivated audiences and her loyal fan base through her honest, transformative lyrics and the visual poetry of her music videos that she produces, directs, and creates all on her own. She began performing professionally as an actress at 13, appearing in commercials, TV shows, and films, including her guest-starring appearance as Addison on Sweet Life on Deck on the Disney Channel. I've known Rachel through her family. I met her parents while I was an actor in a couple of plays at the theater, and it's been a real treat for me to watch Rachel just transform and blossom into different aspects of her career. Her family is like family to me. And so I'm really excited to share Little Luna, a.k.a. Rachel Catherine Bell, with you. She's an equal burst of sunshine and also has a delicate balance of the emotions of the moon. So here she is, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Wit. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I have my little salt rock lamp. I have my candle lit. Excellent. Perfect. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. So the pandemic seems to be doing very well for your creative spirit. Um, (laughs) Introducing little Luna to the world and having it be so well received. Have you found the pandemic is giving you the permission to take the time to be more creative? Interesting that you say that because permission is a big thing that I feel like will come up today. Yes, I have used this time to create a lot of the visual aspects and like the the bringing together of all the pieces but about two years ago is when I gave myself emotional permission to start working on this music and so I guess what I'm saying is I've been bringing it I've been working on it for a while now and then I just happened to be at the crux of everything coming together also at the time of the pandemic which it's interesting because all of my music videos, like everything that I filmed, I've had to get extra creative to be able to do that within the pandemic. So yes and no, yes and no. Um, The thing that the pandemic did give me permission wise was time to leave my old job that gave me the monetary, you know, sustenance that I needed for these creative creative ventures. And Mm -hmm. it opened up another door, another way for me to make money that is so much more fulfilling, much more in tune with my spirit to be able to make these creative things. And I'm like, it. the pandemic definitely gave me permission for that. Okay, great. Th- that's 
fantastic for you then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's interesting. I do feel like, I do feel like this time has given a lot of people permission to change because they've been forced to change what their daily routine looks like. Um, I just happened to be in a place where I was already setting this in motion for a while. And then it all happens to be coming to fruition and to like the public eye in this time, which is interesting. It's probably not an accident. Oh, no, no, definitely not an accident. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that happened to transpire in order for you to even get to that point of this transition. So I want to go back to the beginning of Little Little Luna. And... And I love yeah. That. So in the single that you released first, you have a lyric that says freed little child on the inside crying where have you been? So I'm really curious yes. to go back to the first memories that you have of knowing your inner child and your inner voice. And do you have a specific moment that you remember that you realized that for the first time? Mm, yes. So there are so many things that I could share and so many ways in which my journey has unfolded to now. But as for as far as that inner child goes and that freedom that I felt in childhood, it's interesting because I found that child voice in a few different creative outlets. Mm-hmm. I really felt like oh, I can do this and I can do this. And I like this. I remember like at a young age, just like loving music, but also loving the theater, loving entertaining people, like making people laugh. All of those little characteristics that then built up into when I was a preteen, actually trying to like capitalize on those things that made Mm -hmm. my inner child feel so free and alive. And then at preteen age, is actually where I feel like all of those things got stifled, not by anyone's own like fault or doing, but I think just a bit by worldly conditioning and my own restrictions I put on myself. Because at, when I was a preteen, I dove into acting full-time, like very seriously, traveling back and forth from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. to California, yeah, really acting like a little adult, right. but as a preteen. And my first agent that I signed with and manager that I signed with when I was signing, I distinctly remember being like 13, actually, yeah, probably like right around 13. I'm sitting in my manager's conference room and signing the paperwork and out loud, she said, okay, so you know that you can't do both. You have to pick acting or music. Mm -hmm. So which one is it? And I remember, I remember like she was an acting manager and I had been given these people, these powerful people in my life because of my acting, right? right? Just because of that one, one creative focus. So I remember, I just remember her asking me that and me very quickly being like, oh, like acting. Yes. Like I'm here for, you know, like trying to (laughs) ruffle my feathers, like take me seriously. Like I'm, I'm here to be an actor. I am an actor. And it's been, you know, um, since then, almost 15 years of me committing to that mindset of I am an actor and I am only an actor, which totally stifled all of the little creative things that I loved as a kid. And I remember loving as a kid. And so it's just been in these last two years that I've been able to refine that inner child voice, which ties into the lyrics of my first single by allowing myself to make music. It's so interesting how it's unfolded. And I have no negative you know, harborance towards all of those years of that pursuit of acting. And I, in my heart, I'll always be an actor as well. But it's interesting that as a little, as a little child, 
I had this free creative spirit and like fully believed in myself, no doubt. And then the older that I got, it was like, oh, well, I really can only do this one thing because that's what I've been told that I can do. That's what my training has been in. And then, yeah, it's taking <laughs> me into like my, you know, late, late twenties uh, to be like, actually, actually I can do whatever right. I'd like to do, whether I have training in it or not, I, I can figure it out. Yeah. Do you remember the specific moment where you were like, okay, I like this acting performing thing and the inner process of deciding to go from a conservative small town in Pennsylvania to Los Angeles? What was that process of decision-making like for you? Yes. You know what? I don't, oh, for some reason you asking me that just made me feel so emotional, but it's because my elementary school had the, the, the people I would say with the interest and then the funds to put on a musical. My elementary school put it on a sixth grade musical every year that I was there from like, I remember going as a kinder, kindergartner and watching the show. Um, unfortunately they no longer have that program, which is why I think I'm getting emotional <laughs> because it was uh, me auditioning for this musical, which by the way, I, before that I had done dance, quit, karate, quit, sports, so uncoordinated, like really just wasn't finding my thing um, until I, I became a cheerleader one year, <laughs> but then I didn't make, I didn't make the squad the next year. And I was like devastated. because I was like, that was my calling as like a fifth grader. And then in this, this sixth grade, there was an opportunity to audition for the sixth grade musical. And the only reason that I did is because my friend said, Hey, you love you love to talk. You should audition for this literally just because I like was friendly and enjoyed talking. And I auditioned for it. I had never acted a day before in my life. I had never like sang seriously, like trying to like sing for something, you know, just not singing like ditties around the house. And I got the lead of the musical. Right. And in that moment, I, it, it was funny. In that moment, it didn't feel significant. Preparing the role didn't feel significant, but then actually being on stage at the rehearsals and then at the performance, I was like, oh, I love this. Like, I love to play this character and to perform and to sing. And the whole um, act of being able to get into the costumes and, and really like step into somebody else's shoes, mm -hmm. even at, you know, age 11 or 12, I very quickly was like, oh, I love this. And I am, I was so, um, it never felt like work. Yeah even though I was spending a ton of time, you know, figuring out like, what is it to be an actor when <laughs> <Yeah>. you're 11? <laughs> so, okay. So you, you got the lead when you were 11 and you went to LA when you were 13 mm -hmm. to pursue this. So I would say that yes. when most people book a lead in a school play, they aren't like, okay, we're going to LA and we're going to do this for real. So, <laughs> like, how did that come about? That's so true. <laughs> That's really true. It's always, you know, you have your own story. It's only until somebody else is your mirror like you are my mirror right now reflecting my story back to me that I'm like oh yeah I guess not everybody like <laughs> is in their school play and then it's like I'm going to Hollywood um yeah every you know everything that has unfolded until this moment has been very kismet and after I did that musical I think partially because I hadn't found anything else yet that I really felt like I loved and most of my friends had either their sport or their instrument or mm -hmm. their hobby, their thing that they did. And after performing in this musical, my mom and I were walking through a mall and there was one of the Pittsburgh Mills Mall <laughs> and there was a kiosk for an acting school in Pittsburgh, which now as an adult, I would look at and be like, that's probably a scam. But <laughs> at the time I was like, oh my gosh, acting school. And so I 
um, I went over to the, I don't remember if it was a woman or a man or whoever was working the booth, but I asked them a few questions and got their card. And my parents so generously paid for me to go to take acting classes in Pittsburgh. And at that specific acting school, they had agents come in every month from either LA or New York to -to Mm face-to-face audition the kids. And so me being able to take classes in in that school, which were primarily like commercial Mm -hmm. acting, uh, TV and film acting classes, I had met an agent um, when I was 12. And she was like, when you get a little bit older, um, I'll, you know, we, I want to revisit this. And so then that next year she came back to my acting school and was like, yes, like you should, um, you should take this further by going to a competition in LA. So I'm trying to make this, this story (laughs) condensed, but I went to this competition in Los Angeles I went twice, but the first time was just for modeling. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was, I'm like lanky string bean now, but then I was like, what? I just looking back, I'm like, what in the world? But anyways, I went a second time to this competition in Los Angeles and the agent that was interested in me, but had wanted me to get a little bit older, saw me perform, saw me do my monologue and basically wanted to sign me on the spot. But she said, you know, would you we need you in LA. And, um, I still wanted to stay in high school. And also my parents were not, I mean, I'm just answering this for them. I don't remember what their commentary was, but they're not about to like move to Los Angeles. And my mom was a full-time teacher. And my dad was also like working different jobs in the area. So that wasn't, we're not like, Oh, we're just going to move now. But my parents, after talking about it, which I don't remember them having a conversation about it at all. I don't know what went down between two parents making <laughs> such a large decision for a child. Um, but we worked it out that every three, two to three months in the fall and two to three months in the spring, I would drive with my dad from Pennsylvania, small town, leave my high school, go to Los Angeles, have my high school at the first started with faxing and then it led to eat. No, it started with snail mail, mailing me my homework, (laughs) then faxing. And then eventually we got to emailing, but that's the bridge between how did I get from the sixth grade musical (laughs) to Los Angeles? Basically there was an acting school and a competition in the middle. And then that led me to my agent and then the manager who eventually was like, pick music. All right. Okay. So did you feel like you were living two lives doing that? (laughs) Like a head Montana kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I loved school. I'm a very social person. I loved school for that aspect. Like school was a very fun time for me, which I know is not a lot of people's experience. (laughs) But it was interesting. Every time we would go, my dad and I would go to leave for California, I would bawl my eyes out for the first like few hours of the trip, right? And then eventually we get to California. I'd be here auditioning, basically just hanging out with my dad because I had no friends for the first few years. And then when we would leave to go back to Pennsylvania, I would bawl my eyes out because I didn't want to leave California. So I did feel like I was living two lives. But that being said, I didn't feel like I was a different version of myself. So two two very different roles mm-hmm. that I was supposed right. to play. But I, I did still feel like you myself. able to maintain your authenticity within that. I was. I, I do feel like I was. Yes. And so how long did it take you to book a role through the audition process? So that's what makes the story so interesting. And I think why it cemented me pursuing acting for such a long time after being a preteen. 
every time that I came out to California, I booked something, even if it was just something small. So the first time that I came out with my dad, I booked a um, sprint commercial. And then the next time I came out, I booked a music video and et cetera, et cetera. I won't take you through the whole <laughs> list. And it was normally just one job and normally like a, a, a somewhat smaller scale project. But I think it gave my parents probably who were backing it financially and then me that confidence of like, oh, this is worth my time to keep coming out and doing this because there's a ton of people auditioning, but I am still booking jobs. So there's something here that right. that's, that's sense. seemingly deeper than me just wanting to do it. It was actually, you know, bringing in a, a fulfilling aspect of getting to go to set and work, not just audition. Right how were you able to maintain like an authenticity in the audition process of like the rejection part of things? Yeah. A, see, that's really where age, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I am only, and I mean, very recently, I'm talking like the last year starting to process those years of not being in school, but in the, the other right. life. Right. Being in LA and having so much rejection. I mean, a lot of the times I just cried. And then a lot of the times I didn't feel, I didn't feel that sad because I, I quickly grew that skin that you have to grow. That's just like a lot of the times when you don't book a job, it's not because of you. It's, you know, there's an overall um, vision going into somebody's project and they're looking for the person that fits that perfectly, everything down to not just your performance, but also your right. looks, your personality, mm -hmm. your availability, your age for your work hours. There's, there's just, you know, there's so much that goes into it. So I grew the tough skin knowing that a lot of the time it wasn't me, but on the projects that I really wanted and like really just felt like that character was someone that I was supposed to portray. I mean, it hurt. Mm -hmm. It hurts so bad. And I think that why I say I'm only starting to unpack this in the last year is because I'm still healing that wound of being in formative years of growing up. Like it's, I feel like, especially like 12 to 20, <laughs> yeah. um, having so much rejection that even though it wasn't me, it also still was rejecting right. me though. And in music, is my space where everything I say goes. I don't have to be cast in the project. I have cast myself, you right. know what I mean? Which we can yeah, get into that sure. more. But it really, that question is like, how didn't I lose my authenticity? I think, I think I kind of did. I really do. And I think I'm just getting back to that now and that, that free inner child that wasn't, that didn't need to operate off of a basis of just pleasing other people. I think naturally, it, it was in my personality to be a people pleaser, but then also to be doing a profession where you are walking in a room trying to please people to get a job, right. not necessarily efficient. And you can talk to a lot of really successful actors that will say, yeah, that probably didn't get you very far because you really shouldn't walk in the room like you're trying to please right. anyone, right? You're just, you're just telling the story. But since I started at such a young age, it, I couldn't really separate the two. It was, yes, I was a character and yes, I shouldn't take it personally, but also... I was, yeah, you know, young yeah. and, and feeling it per, per like personally, feeling it personally. Yeah, subconsciously, even like equating it with your value of whether you book something. Oh yeah. yeah. Like your yeah. worth as a person. And yeah. Even, totally. 
And that's why I say it's like, for me, luckily I did have those. I, my parents weren't like, we're going to move there full time and dedicate your whole life to this. Like I did have such normalcy in high school. I do feel like that was really helpful because knowing so many of my friends that had the same trajectory that I did came from a small town, went to some competition and ended up in Mm -hmm. LA at like the the ages of 12 to 16, but then moved there full time and, you know, only saw people at auditions and only were in that space. I know that they're, they're doing the undoing work that I'm doing, but also on a whole other level (laughs) (laughs) because I still got to go to high school where it wasn't you know, where I was just, I was just Rachel and I didn't have to like try to win over any friends that I just had my friends. And and then you also booked a guest starring role on the Disney show where you were portraying a high school student to the masses on a TV show. So what was that like for you? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I've never even looked at it that way until you just said it right now. Um, yes, I booked, um, that was my, honestly, that was my first big project. And it's still my biggest project as far as a household name goes. It was called Sweet Life on Deck on the Disney Channel. And the episode was just supposed to be one episode of this guest starring character, Addison. And I had worked on it with my coach, which is a whole other tangent, acting coach. Um, and But this particular audition, we had so much fun with. And I remember just instantly relating to the character. And we were coming up with such hilarious little like slapstick moments that when I found out I booked the job, that was so exciting. I really didn't feel like it changed my value of myself. I was just excited to go like play this character and, and um, being on set for that character really did feel like playing. So even though I was playing a high school character, given the context of my character and the classroom was on a boat, like none of it, um, (laughs) at that age in time felt parallel to my high school in Pennsylvania. It felt very like mystical fairy tale land. And um, even my character herself, she was such a high energy fun ball that basically I was just really focused on her and how she related to the other characters, not necessarily the setting. Um, As time went on, well, okay, so it started as just one episode, but they ended up liking my character so much that they brought me back for seven Aww. more, which was such a cool journey and like gave me a boyfriend on the show. And as time went on and I had more scenes like sitting in a classroom, that parallel yeah. <laughs> started to build. But for that very first episode, I don't even know. Yeah, you're you're on a ship that's your classroom and I had eaten a lot of candy. Like none of, none of that episode felt anything relatable <laughs> to high school. But as the time went on, that parallel built, which is just, which is just funny, but also as realistic and connected as I was to my character, it's a slapstick comedy show. So even though there were parallels there, you know, my, my brain didn't necessarily ever <laughs> connect it in that way because I'm like, this is just a different universe. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> So I imagine that show drove you to go to Hollywood as an adult and maybe not pursue a more college trajectory. Yes, yes. I think you're right. Because that show, and especially at that time, was such a popular show with such a large audience, it really did feel like, oh, okay, I could do this for real and also pay my bills doing this career. Um yeah, my parents were super gracious. I mean, my mom's an educator, right. so it's it's interesting that, you know, they didn't push me to go into college, but I think what they felt and what I felt is 
by 18, you know, I had already put in so many years going towards this that our thought was, it was kind of like a no brainer. Like I should go to LA and I should go to LA and keep pursuing this path that I've already started on. And then at some point, if I decide to go to college, like that will still be there. But that momentum of what I had been building from 13 to just move and go full time, it, it was, it, it was weird. I don't even remember. I don't remember even asking my parents or them asking me. We just halfway through my senior year, just started looking at apartments yeah, natural. Yeah. in Los Angeles, <laughs> just like people were looking at a col- at colleges. We were looking at <laughs> apartments. That being said, I did apply to a few colleges just to see if I could get in because I was like, I should probably do this. And I, and I did get into a school. I did get into a school and they did give me a little scholarship. So I was like, okay, there's, there is something in here too, but, um, it was, it was a no brainer for everyone, which I'm sure even listening to this podcast, like that just sounds crazy. Like whose parents do that? I don't know how to describe my parents. <laughs> they're just like earth yeah, angels. They're... And I feel like they just, I feel, and, and I'm, you know, my brother's 15 years older than me. So it's not like there was another um, child in the house that they were trying to navigate both of us. It was very much just focused on me and they worked extremely hard to give me everything they could so that I could go have this opportunity just like they would if they were paying for me to go to college because right. college is so expensive yeah. and rent in LA exactly. is expensive. <laughs> it's a toss up. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. No, yeah, I, I know your parents and I know how supportive they are. So without that option, you wouldn't be where you are. So as an adult living in LA in your first apartment, what was that like? Oh my gosh, it was the best. I loved it. I think because I had grown up in the house, I'm not an only child, but growing up in a house as an the only child, I loved it. Like I was like, this is my space. I this is good. Like I've always loved hanging out with myself. Even to this day, like I'm my favorite person to go on dates with. I really don't ever get the feeling of being bored. Like I'm just I'm just good mm-hmm. on my own. And so being in that apartment, also I did my friend Jess that went to the same acting school moved out here with me and we got the apartment together. I mean, she had been wanting to move to LA. Um, it's not you like forced her. I forced her to <laughs> by any means. No, exactly. She had been wanting to move to LA. And so we both, you know, got an apartment together with the help of our parents co-signing because obviously we had no credit to our name. <laughs> um, and being in that apartment was just so much fun, so much fun. But also I was going to auditions just like, an adult would, which I get like at 18, you are an adult, but the older I get, the more I look back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, 18 is so young. Um, but yeah, Jess and I both were just auditioning and paying rent and, you know, figuring out things of, of when you're on your own, but I loved it. I, some of the memories, especially that place that I moved to, I lived there for the first two years. And some of the memories that I have in that space are so special and just felt like, that freedom that I'm assuming a lot of people feel when they go to their freshman, <laughs> sophomore year of college, mm-hmm. you know, it's just different when you're out of your, your parents' house. If you have that ability to go to school and, and not be yeah. like living you're at just home. just treating your auditions like classes and, you know, learning from, from yeah. life experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. About a year in to, which is another side note, but 
the wonderful thing that that Disney job also gave me was finances that I didn't spend literally any of it in high school. I just like put it all in a savings account for LA. And so I was able to live the first two years in LA, pretty much paying for everything myself. Mm-hmm. Like parents still paid for my healthcare, my phone bill. Um, and of course would like help me out if, if I needed it, but I was able to pay for everything myself. And so then two, like two years in, I was like, I should get a side job because all I'm doing is spending money and auditioning, which is fine. But two years in is when I first like got a job. It was my first job outside of acting. I didn't like have one in high school because half the time I was in LA doing a job there. So yeah, I got a, I got a job in a retail store just so that the the rapid rate my finances were going down just by how expensive LA was wasn't so uh, intense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a transition in here and I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about it to get to Little Luna because that's where we really want to get in this podcast, I think. Yes. So, going from that job you booked some other jobs along the way on some TV shows and things like that. Yes. What was the moment when you started to take music more seriously and consider yes. it as an option. Yes. So there is a very key player in my story and he always feels like I give him way too much credit. But my friend Dayon Alexander, he's a songwriter and a beautiful, beautiful soul. And I met him one late night at a cafe called Crave. And I'm just saying that because if you've ever been to Los Angeles, yep. Crave is just the... 24 hour right. hotspot. Um, I was there with a friend of mine and I had just recently gone through what felt like my biggest heartbreak, just absolute first cut is the deepest cliche, but true. Just literally felt like I would never recover was so heartbroken. And I was at this cafe and, um, the people sitting behind us, one of them happened to be this guy named Dayon, And we all got to talking and I had said that I was trying to learn piano and I was seriously only learning piano because I was so heartbroken. I felt like all I could do was wail on the piano in my apartment, just sing and play horribly. Yeah. But like, just that was the only catharsis mm-hmm. that was helping. And I had told this random man that in the cafe and he said, oh, like, he's like, I play the piano. Like, I'll come over and give you some lessons. Like, sure. And it was, it was one of those when you meet someone and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this person only has like, my best and their best intentions in mind. So I was like, absolutely, you know, come over. Cut to, came over and I was, he was like, what do you know? And I was like, all I know how to play is Stay by Rihanna featuring Mickey Echo on the piano. I was like, I don't know what these notes are called. I don't know what the chords are. Like, I just have figured this out and this, and I played it for him. And of course, like sang along. And afterwards, I'll never forget. He just looked at me and he was like, why are you not singing? He's like, forget me being here trying to teach you piano. Like, yes, you should learn that. But also you need to be making music. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, this. And I, I think I just needed, like literally felt like a sign from above. I needed someone to just re it, it was like, he was talking to my inner child mm-hmm. when he said that. Yeah. And I was also singing completely, not thinking about me singing. I was just in that flow state of trying to heal myself. And it was in that moment where I was reminded, oh my gosh, I love music. Yeah. Why have I done really nothing with that? And from there, he brought me, he brought me into his studio a few times to cut demos for other artists. Like, I mean, truly met at a cafe, heard me sing in my apartment, brought me into his studio, just like (laughs) very LA. (laughs) So, so much, so, so, so LA, but also like so much belief in me considering I had 
zero formal training um, whatsoever. And that really, that was about, I would say, oh my gosh, like seven or eight years ago. And then that slowly, slowly planted a seed of getting to where we're at, let's say two years ago, when I was like, it's time that I put my all into this. And, but that's that moment when he said like, why aren't you making music? It really planted the seed in me that for a while, I just kept it in the back of my head. I sang some demos for him. I started writing again in my journal. And I, I just, for the, at that season, I just said, when I'm 30, I'll make an EP just for fun, just to sing. And I told myself that narrative for a while. I think it was my way of listening to my inner voice, but also not like, like trusting in it mm-hmm. so much in case it didn't work out. Truly, from so many years in acting, the way that I think I conditioned myself to protect myself is that I'm going to give this audition my all. I'm going to believe that it's mine. Asterix, if I don't get it, I'll survive and and I'll be okay. And so with music, Dayon telling me, you should really be making music and then bringing me into the studio and me starting to write again and having that thought of, oh, well, well, when I'm 30, I'll make an EP. When I'm 30, like I'll totally live out this other thing that I've wanted to do, but haven't allowed myself to do, but, but not now, like, you know, in like 10 years. Um, but over the last few years, that seed thought being planted has just grown way past, oh, well, I'll do it one day. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I'll survive into, oh, I must do this thing because my soul is like longing for me that, you know, that whatever you would like to refer to it as a name goes, but soul or your inner child is longing for me to just be making my own music and right. taking all the the words that I've written down over the years and, and bringing them into a song. So Shift and Go, that first song that I put out as Little Luna is actually from a poem that I had written years before. And um, it's just interesting how it's just interesting what we give ourselves permission to do and also how we operate in the training that we've had. Once again, not blaming anybody else, Mm -hmm. but just by being a kid and then growing up the conditioning that happens music. I, the music I'm putting out into the world is encouraging people to tap into their inner child and give themselves permission to whatever they have changed in their life. That's not the same as it was before to own that change. But it's just funny because I'm making and writing that music because that's what I'm doing myself. And that was really the transition. I still have my commercial acting agent and I'll always love acting, but that was really the transition out of using my time during the week to audition versus now using my time during the week to write music and be in sessions and write my poetry, read books, all the things that contribute into me making this music. But it all, it all started just by somebody else, somebody else kind of giving me the permission to remind myself that I was allowed to do something other than what I've been doing. And so that's Mm -hmm. something I feel like I talk a lot about now is, you know, you, you do change. And so you're allowed to change and you are allowed to completely change your profession or your relationship with friends or like romantically, like it's, we, I think because we're habitual creatures out of survival and protecting ourselves, like our brain likes to be like, Oh, I did this and and this worked out fine and I survived it. So now I'm going to keep doing this thing because that's, what's comfortable. Very like subconscious, but the conscious brain is like, let's, 
let's do what you want to do today, which is not the same as what you did yesterday. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this because I feel kind of goes along that thread. I feel like Rachel Catherine Bell kind of had a trademark with her long, long, like, (laughs) and so when you chopped it off, was that kind of like a transition for you? Totally. Like representation of, hey... (laughs) I'm changing. Pay attention. Totally. Yeah. For those of you listening, I had hair down to my hips and no bangs from like age 12 to age 25. (laughs) Like a really long, really long time. And I kept it that way because I needed to match my headshot. And I had booked a decent amount, right? And booked my quote unquote biggest job as that look. And I I still look super young now. Like I could like still pass Mm -hmm. as like, you know, late high schooler, but that long hair signature look matching my headshot again, went along with that trajectory of acting where I was like, really, I'm like, oh, well, I must, I must look this way to please these people to get these roles because this is my look. So whenever I cut my hair a few years ago, I was still, I hadn't told anybody that I was even just getting closer to making music, but I told my agents, I was like, Hey, I'm, it's time I'm cutting my hair. And what's so funny is everyone was like, Oh yeah, like, sounds great. Like I had fully put the restrictions on myself, but Mm. once again, I think because I started at a young age, it felt like restrictions were put on me when really I'm sure there were a lot of other kids running around in Hollywood, dyeing their hair, doing whatever they wanted to do. I just, the people pleaser in me was like, oh, and this is, this is how my agent liked me. And this is how this casting director liked me. And so this is, this is the, this is how I must, must stay and look. Um, So when I cut my hair a few years ago that, and, but also was still pursuing acting (laughs) um, that, that felt so freeing. And then what's hilarious is the bangs that I have now, which right now, for those of you listening, my hair is like shoulder length and I have bangs. And I feel like that's kind of a signature look for little Luna. And just, it, it feels, it feels very me and I am little Luna. Um, but with, but it's so funny. I got the bangs because I, after, right after I cut my hair and like took new headshots with it, I booked like a huge national commercial but they wanted me to have bangs for it. So what's hilarious is I cut my hair to free myself, but then through freeing myself, booked a job in what I was trying to force happen all this time. And then they gave me bangs, which has now transitioned into my signature look within music. So it's just, it's funny how when you allow yourself to, you know, do whatever you want to do as simple as cutting your hair, how it can Mm -hmm. lead to a monument, like, a monumental shift in your life. Totally. Where did the inspiration for the name Little Luna come from? Yes. So around the time that I met Dayon and he planted that seed or he, he watered the seed that I had already planted as a kid. Um, I, and I started writing. I just felt like my name was Little Luna. It was a different variation of that at the time, but I just started calling myself by that name for years And I think there's some philosophy behind the identity that you give yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just had always connected with the moon. And that was a while ago. So it was before the moon was like as, as trendy as it is now, which I think is cool. (laughs) But moon is the moon is your feminine side, you know, that's your emotional energy. And so I think it's awesome that moons are a very quote unquote trendy thing happening now, because we are bringing our moon 
um, feminine emotional energy in line with our sun, right. masculine analytical energy, mm -hmm. which everything needs to be in balance. So I actually think that it's a cool thing. It's trendy now, but at the time I just felt so connected to the moon. I felt like I was very sun energy and everything I did was sun and, um, the moon was something that I just loved to just look out the window at. And this was way before I knew any type of energy was assigned to any planet or what it represented as far right. as like the four elements of the earth, any of that. Yeah. I just was, I just had a connection to it. And I ca started calling myself that name. And by calling myself a new name and giving myself a new identity, I was allowing myself to just step into a new career shift and a new um, passion shift. And uh, that the variation that I had called myself was little moon. And years ago, whenever I started really diving into this, I actually, it was before that, but that's a long story. Basically little moon was already taken. Someone already had music out under that, but I was like, no, that's my name. This is what I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be. Like, I know that this is my name. So then I spent, spent months racking my brain, trying to come up with other like artist names. And I was like, that's just, it's just little moon. That's just what my name is. And then I went to a meditation down the street. This was about two, two and a half years ago. And I, in this meditation class, I just went in and before I meditated, I just asked, I was like, I, I need you, God universe to tell me what my name is for this music. I can't move any further, really pursuing this. If I don't know what my name is, I just need to have that. And the, in the meditation, a few th crazy things happen, which I can explain on another podcast if you ever have me back and we get in more into hippy dippy stuff. But until then, I left the meditation feeling on top of the world from the experience I had. I got home, I opened my journal and I was like, man, I still didn't get my name though. And immediately when I said that little Luna came to me, which, you know, little Luna in Spanish and in Italian right. is moon. Mm -hmm. It is little moon. It was just a different form of it. And I so quickly went to my laptop and literally out loud was like, God, if somebody already has little Luna, I don't know what I'm supposed to do because it's been years of me trying to figure out what my name is. And like, and I go and like nothing on Spotify, nothing on Apple music, everything was open. And so that's when I knew I'm like, yep, I've been calling myself this name for years. The moon is that feminine emotional energy that I'm like stepping into. And my name is, my name is little Luna. And on a, on another level, it's like, you know, there's a dark sky, but there's always a little bit of light in it. Yeah. And I, I think for years, it just felt like I had to be in the sun and like sun energy. And it's like, no, there's still like, even in like a dark sky, there's still some, yeah. there's still light. Even if it's a, a tiny new moon. A contrast. You have to have, know the contrast to be able to see the light. And the totally. Sun. Yeah. Totally. What is, your, what is your moon sign, by the way? Okay, this is going to sound so funny that I don't know this, but I have been tracking down my mother to get my exact birth time. So <laughs> okay. I haven't done my charts yet because I did I did one with what we thought it was. And then I was like, there's no sense in me diving into this chart if this isn't actually my birth time. So I'm working on getting that. My sun sign is Aquarius. Um, but I'm very interested to see what my actual okay. moon sign is, my okay. rising. 
Pat Bell, if you're listening, uh, Rachel needs her birth time. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she knows, and she sent me. She on my birthday this year, which is like last week. I was I've been harp, really harping on her, and she sent me the time, but in the nicest way possible, Mom. I just still feel like it was the time off of when they took my footprint, and then we're just mm. guessing when I came out the womb, and I'm just not here for this mm. guest. So not- I'm still going to try to find it another way or just, I'm try- I'm also going to go into a deep meditation and see if the universe will tell me what time yeah. it was. It's, it's not the authentic time for you. That's what, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm going to do my birth chart, I really want to try to do it as accurately as possible. Yeah. So but we'll part, see. Yeah. So part of what you do with Little Luna is you're releasing a series of videos and within that you're also creating a yoga flow to your audience. How did you, how were you introduced to yoga and what attracted you to that in the midst of all of everything? Yes. Okay. So I've been teaching yoga for six years now. I'm probably practicing on or off for eight And one of my best friend and my roommate for a bit in LA went to a hot yoga class and was like, you have to go take this class. This is like life-changing. It was a set sequence. It wasn't hot yoga from Bikram, but it's a derivative of it. And um, it was a sequence called hot power fusion. And my best friend was like, you need to go take this. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not athletic. I'm going to die. Like, no, but she convinced me. And I went, and I remember in the middle of the class being like, this is life changing. There is truly something about sacred geometry and the shapes that you make with your body in yoga and the way in which you're able to get your breath into a state where yoga becomes a moving meditation that was so transformative for me, so different than any other physical activity, which any physical activity has beautiful benefits for your body, really. Um, But yoga, I very quickly connected to the fact that it is a moving meditation and it brought me so much joy and peace that after practicing at my studio on and off for two years, like whenever I'd get like gift cards for my birthday, honestly, like people would, you know, I'd be like, all I want for Christmas or my birthday is like classes to yoga. Um, A few of my favorite teachers were like, have you ever considered teaching? Because that just seems like a natural thing with within you. And I was very intimidated by going through teacher training. And I can now look at it and be like, oh yes, I am a baby fetus in the world of yoga and have much to learn and have, and would love to learn from like some more diverse people too, not just the westernized Los Angeles practice of it. Um, but I quickly knew like, yes, I love taking yoga and I love people. And I've already like, I am an entertainer, not that I'm teaching to entertain, but I knew that teaching would be a path for me that would bring me joy and also bring in that monetary side Mm -hmm. to help pay for me going to auditions. Well, cut to where we're at now with music. Um, Because of my background in film, I just love, 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 love when you're watching a scene And there is a song that comes on and it's the perfect song in the perfect scene in a film or in a TV show. And so with Little Luna, with this project, more so than just putting out these songs, I wanted to make a visual storytelling representation. So every song that I put out has its music video. With that, like you said, every song has its yoga flow, which is my contribution of like bridging something that has brought me so much peace has completely transformed 
transformed and given me a meditation practice and a, and a stepping stone into getting deeper into meditation um, with my music and my fan base that are, are listening to my songs. Yeah. So definitely not, you know, with putting those videos out, I'm not claiming that I'm some yoga master, but from what I've learned, it's changed my life so much that it felt irresponsible of me to not bridge yoga with my music, to offer that to my fans, um, for them to dip their toes in and maybe cultivate their own yoga practice that ends up not having anything to do with my videos. But for those of you listening, I have for each song that I put out, I put out a cinematic version of the song and that's my version of a acoustic or stripped Mm -hmm. down version. We call it cinematic and it's very, very heavy on violin. My best friend, Ali Stamler is a beautiful violinist. And so for each single that comes out, each song, I make a yang style yoga flow that goes to the pace and to the length of the song and then for every cinematic version I do a yin style yoga video that goes to the length of the song so for each release over here we got a music video we got a cinematic video and then we got you know two yoga flows that go with it and all of that together is just yeah just feels like my purpose just like screaming at me being like yes this is it I will work whatever jobs do what I have do whatever I have to do to make all of these videos and visuals come to life because it's definitely Mm -hmm. it's it is pricey to do things at a high quality but it's worth it though it's worth it I'm I'm a nanny as well so I'm like I'll nanny as much as I need to make the money for this project because it's important it's important to me that the music that I'm giving people to listen to has these other elements tied in, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like my life story all tied up into one big bundle. Well, it's paying off because you, you are acquiring a fan base who seems to be very loyal. And I think it's also incorporating all of the multi-dimensional aspects of you that you weren't able to express when you're in a casting office that they just like see you in your type and they're not considering you as a whole being, right? Totally. And I and I really I want to like say this. I feel like for a lot of actors that's not the case. Like a lot of people are able to go in and their whole being is able to be shown within the character and within their slate. But I just didn't ever crack that. I never cracked that code. And so it is the most freeing now, like you said, to be able to have this multi-dimensional world that I'm creating where I am incorporating acting, I'm incorporating film, I'm incorporating music and I'm incorporating yoga. It's like all of these different aspects um, that I feel like make me um, not who I am, but who, who I'm supposed to be in this, in this life as Rachel, as little Luna on this time frame that I'm alive in. Yeah. Having going through all of these changes, do you ever find yourself straying from your inner self now? And if so, do you have a way to realign with that? Mm. My first way to align is just grounding down and taking a yoga class, even though, even if that's within a pandemic, putting something on YouTube and just doing a class in my living room. Like when I'm feeling like I am not really operating out of this truest self that I've rediscovered and I'm potentially operating out of fear and or pleasing people of what I think I need to do to make my music work, which every time that happens, I'm like, "Mm -mm, we're not going to go down that lane we are going to, we, me me and myself, are going to make decisions for music that are based out of A, knowing it's going to be successful, 
believing that it will be a helpful thing to give the universe and not stepping into what I think I should do to make it more successful, which can, what gets me is when I really just dive into like the social media, TikTok lane. And I haven't Mm. found, um, just being transparent. I haven't found my authentic way yet to be like on the TikTok platform. Mm -hmm. So when I think about it, I very easily go back into where I was as an actor of like, well, well, what would I do on there that would make other people like my music? And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not the, that's not the intention. And that's not how we're operating out of little Luna. So when I'm in that space, first thing I'll do is just take a yoga class, just ground myself down. And then from there, whether I'll do a guided meditation or just put on different like singing bowls with a healing frequency. And I'll just sit in meditation until like, if I feel like if it's something I'm trying to figure out, I'll just sit there until it comes (laughs) to me. Um, You know, and if it doesn't come to me, then I'll wake up and I'll do the same thing the next day. But truly for me, and as my sun sign is an air sign, like it's, it's important for me to ground myself, which before I meditate really helps for me to do um, yoga or recently I've been getting into Cheeto, but very, I mean, we're talking like a week ago. So mainly like yoga, then sitting into my meditation and allowing my like heart chakra to mm-hmm. speak to the place of anything that I'm doing within my whole life, not even in my creative space, in my relationships. I don't want it to be operating out of that space of people pleasing or fear because that's just not your truth. Mm-hmm. It's not my truth. Or your intention. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And even just going a little bit deeper than that, I think for any of us, while we're here as humans on this planet, whenever we operate out of that space of like, oh, well, I should do this because this is the way that this person found success. You can read, I think reading books, looking how other at how other people do things is inc- incredibly educational and helpful, but then also you have to take that time sitting with yourself to be like, but how am I going to do it though? I'm alive at this time. So why, if I feel called to do this career, be in this relationship, et cetera, how am I going to do it? That's a way that honors your inner child or your, your gut, your authentic self, whatever words you want to use for it. Yeah, definitely. So what do you feel of the future is for Little Luna? Because right now your songs are very powerful in their message of like the transformation and breaking through. But since you've gotten to the other side of that, or I mean, I guess that's a journey in itself to continue. (laughs) So you would think you would would think think that you would think that, well, what's next? It must be the next phase. Listen, it's not. I'm sitting on so many awesome songs right now. I say that not to toot my own horn, but just because it's because it's what I'm supposed to be doing and I can feel it in what I'm writing. Um, the next batch of songs that will come out and then eventually, obviously, their music videos and yoga flows, they are continuing to tell that narrative of rediscovering your truest self. And like you said, it is a journey. So even though they all seemingly have the same theme and that's just a testimony to where I'm at in life Mm -hmm. because of the different producers I'm working with and because of the different specific intention I have writing each song they are all a part of the journey but they're not repetitive and I'm so excited for everyone to hear them it does my my managers and I call it like the the next era of Little Luna which is like I only have two songs (laughs) out right now but it's a little bit more um 
it's pulling from an era of music that my mom played a lot growing up. It's from like 1969 mm-hmm. to 1973. Yeah. All right. And pulling from that space, I'm just continuing to tell the story of the journey to my truest self. And my intention with putting that music out there is that whoever listens to it, it would help them on their journey of finding their truest self. So it's different, you know, different instruments, different textures, different people involved, but all the songs at this point for Little Luna point to this journey of rediscovering that truest self. And I'm so excited about it. Well, I don't think that journey ever ends. I feel like in a way, every time we wake up in the morning, we have to recommit to that. Yes. Yes. You're right. So who knows? Maybe the rest of my songs for the rest of my entire life will be in this area. And that's just, that will be my contribution to the music world. Who knows at this point, that's definitely what it is. Um, But I'm, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a date to give yet of when the next songs will be released. They're made. It's just then the process of, mm-hmm. which is something I've assigned to myself, is just making all the videos and the versions and everything that goes with them. Just taking my time and, and doing it the way that I want to do it. You know, directing the videos and yeah. producing the videos and often styling them as well. It just takes time, which I'm totally fine with. Well, you're doing a fantastic job with that. And it's lighting you up. Not anyone can see because we're on a podcast, but yes, um, I can see. I can see. <laughs> yep, so, I'm smiling very large. Right yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a question that I usually ask to wrap up the conversation, and it is: If your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? It would say, "You are allowed to change." Period. <laughs> All right. That's what it would say, <laughs> and that because that has been what's completely transformed my life. And even within my relationships has transformed them because you get into a relationship with someone and you're one person. And then suddenly one day you're not the same person and giving yourself that permission that you've you've changed. And that doesn't have to be a negative thing, but also you have different needs, interests, and wants now that need to be honored. And that's something that I've really learned through therapy, honestly. It's like, I am allowed to change. Yeah. That's what uh, the billboard would yeah. say actually is I am allowed to change. <laughs> so that when you read it, you feel empowered yourself. <laughs> An affirmation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I'll have to have you on again as Little Luna 2.0 whenever you release more things because I feel like there's so much within here that we still didn't get to unpack. There's there so is. Much. Yes. There there really is. And so much even on the the songwriting side, like how I write my songs, right. like the spirituality that gets tied into it, universe, planet everything and we didn't um, even talk about that you got married in the middle of all of this either and how that probably changed your life in so many ways so. <laughs> yes yes so we'll do it we'll do a 2.0 for those of you listening once the new songs are out so you can jam to those and then give you some more insight on you know how they came to be yeah fantastic if people would like to find you on social media or the internet where can you guide them to yes so my instagram is at little Lou. Instagram is the main platform I use and I respond to all my DMs. So that's a great place to reach out to me. If you're looking for another spot, I'm super proud of my brother built my website um, and it's littlelunamusic.com. And on there, you'll find all of my social media handles, a link to buy my merch, all my videos that are out, songs that are out, where to listen to them. So that's a nice hub to go to as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. 
what thank you this is such a beautiful um intention that you have with this so truly thank you for having me thank you so much for joining me this week if you're listening and you like what you hear please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet and also if you'd like to contact me or reach me you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on instagram thank you so much and until next time stay tuned in to you